Well, this morning I want us to uh, uh, consider just a couple of things, three points from John's Gospel. And if you have your Bibles with you, you might like to find Proverbs chapter 8 because I'm going to go back to it as we go through this. My uh, three points this morning are that Jesus Christ has a relationship to God the Father, that he has a relationship to creation itself, and that he has a creation, uh, a creationship, a relationship with each and every one of us. That is to say, with every man, woman, boy or girl, girl ever conceived in this world and who will be conceived. So three things. Christ has a relationship to God the Father, a a relationship to creation itself, and also to the whole of mankind, including ourselves. Let's turn to verse 1, and we see our first point there, that Jesus Christ has a relationship with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now one of the interesting things in the grammar of the original language, the Greek, the word was, is the verb to be. And when the Jews heard John's letter being read out or uh, this sort of thing being taught, they would have recognised something in that grammar. If you turn to Exodus chapter 3, and verse 14, God has called Moses to lead the children of Israel out. And Moses, after pleading his inabilities and his weakness... He asked God, who shall I tell them has sent me? Who do I tell them you are? They're not going to believe me. And in verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you'll say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. I am is the verb to be. Now, when you come back to John's gospel, in the beginning was, and as the Jewish people in particular heard this, remember they're steeped in the teachings of the Old Testament, and this verse might have read in their hearing something like this. In the beginning, I am the word, and the word I am with God, and the word I am was God. Who is John teaching them that Christ is? He's the I am from the Old Testament. He's the I am who came and appeared to Moses and through whom Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so that's the first point that we see here, even hidden in the grammar of the text. And the verb to be, Jesus calls himself I am. And you see, the Jewish people accused him of blasphemy, didn't he? Because he claimed to be God. 
And here it is, something simple hidden in the text. All right, turn back to Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 22. Verse 22 to 26. Uh, notice that this text in verse 1 says that the word was with God, the word was God, and he was he, I am, in the beginning with God. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 8 and see what the Old Testament says about this text. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old, that is, creation. I have been established from everlasting and from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, and when there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth, while as yet he had not even made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. You see how the Old Testament informs the new. And so often we hear today that the Old Testament has no relevance whatsoever. A few years ago I had, uh, uh, there was a lady in the congregation when I went to Somerville who, who, who uh, remarried a, a chap who was a Baptist man, and that's fine. And Heather and I went to their wedding, a lovely godly lady, but he couldn't stand uh, uh, teaching from the Old Testament, so uh, they went off to the Baptist church. That was fine. Some four or five years later, they returned to our church because she couldn't cope with what was not being taught. And I happen to have just started a series in Genesis. And when the gentleman got to the door, he tore a strip off me for preaching from the Old Testament. Why? Because it has no relevance to us today. He came back the next week and I continued on in Genesis. And when he got to the door, he tore another strip off me. He came back third week and I continued on preaching in Genesis, showing that Jesus Christ was there from the book of Genesis. And he tore another strip off me. And this went on until he could stand it no more, which was rather sad. Jesus Christ was there in the beginning. He did not begin to exist, as it were, when Mary gave birth to him. He did not begin to exist just when the writers of the New Testament thought it was a good idea to have this messianic figure. We'll call him Jesus. That is, that he's nothing more than mere man born out of his time. And many people who claim to be Christians today are in Israel searching the ground to find the bones of this man Jesus. See, they don't believe that he is God. They do not believe that he is risen. They call themselves Christians. But if Christ is not risen, then your faith and my faith 
is absolutely pointless. My question to you today, from the Old Testament that we've just looked at and from the New, do you know this Christ who is God as your Lord and Saviour? Verse 3, Jesus Christ has a relationship to all of creation. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. We can go to uh, Colossians chapter 1, for argument's sake, and read verses 16 and 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, children, when it says all things consist in Christ, it simply means that they cannot exist without him. If the creator's power of providence, keeping the planets in their various positions and floating through space as it were, they're not exactly floating, are they? We know that they travel at enormous speeds, but everything is relative in its position, one thing to another. The Old Testament teaches us that the creator, in his providential power, maintains that circumstance and situation. Nothing in this world can exist without Christ. We cannot live without Christ. The Lord God Almighty could have snuffed the whole of humanity out when Adam sinned, but he didn't. He came very close to it, to it with Noah, didn't he? Can you imagine that? We think something like what's happened in Japan just in the last week or so. It's dreadful, and it is. But can you imagine what it was like when it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and the ground opened up and waters flowed out of the ground as well as from above and drowned the whole world, human population, and every living creature? Why did God do that? Because he looked down from heaven and he saw that the whole of human society was continually evil. He saved Noah and his wife and their sons and their wives. And two of every kind of animal. And he started the world off again. And he put a rainbow in the sky that we see today which is his promise that he will not destroy the world again by flood. That's grace. That's what we call grace. But 2,000 odd years ago, he sent Jesus Christ, his eternal son, into this world, who in his providential power orders all of creation today and maintains our lives, our heartbeats, We don't know how he does that. It doesn't matter. But that's what the scripture teaches us. 
And he stands before the world today and he says, come to me and I will give you rest and I will give you peace. When I have you in, when my father has, when I have you in my hand, John chapter 10, when I have you in my hand, no one will take you from me. We're just saying, uh, and can it be? The last verse of that said, now there is no more condemnation. Why? Because Jesus Christ has those who believe by faith in him in his hands. You've been down to the seaside, children, if you played with sand and picked it up, dry sand up in your hand and tried to look at it, what happens? It falls through your fingers. Jesus says, when I have you in my hand, no one is going to fall. That's his love and that is his grace. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27 to demonstrate again from the Old Testament uh, that Christ has this relationship with creation. When he, was, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep and when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea to its limits so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in, in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. You see, Jesus Christ took delight in Adam and Eve right in the beginning. He even took delight in Noah as another example and he preserved him and his family. And he delights in you today, Christian believer, if indeed you believe by faith that he is. Then we see a third relationship that Jesus has. And that third relationship with, is with all humanity. Verses 4 and 5. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 11. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, John says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And what a tragic story it is, that he came to his own people and they rejected him. And John in verse 14 says that there were those who believed within the Gentiles. We beheld his glory. 
And of his, verse 16, of his fullness we have all received. Those who believe in him have all received something of this saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ sealed into their souls. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14 remind us in a very simple way of this uh, great principle. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see, it's not asking us, do we think that's a good idea? It's a statement of fact. That when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, he seals us with the Holy Spirit. Which was promised long ago. Turn back to Proverbs and verse 32. Where he speaks of this relationship to humanity. And he says, now therefore, listen to me, my children. This is Proverbs 8, verse 32. Listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways, who hear uh, hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting waiting at the posts of my doors. And whoever finds me finds life. Have you found Christ? Older man or woman, younger person, children, have you found Christ? He, whoever finds me, finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. But those who don't find life, listen to it. He He who sins against me wrongs his own soul. And all those who wrong their own soul hate Christ but love death. What's your relationship with Jesus Christ this morning? I'm not asking if it's perfect. I'm asking you from the scriptures, do you have a relationship? Amen. Well, let's close by the singing of the hymn 51. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Oh
his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.